Well, happy Culture Cast Day, everybody. We are live from Washington, D.C. at the High Life Studios. It is Culture Cast number three for the day. We are in Washington, D.C., celebrating Black History Month on a very special occasion. And I have the fortunate opportunity to actually invite guests the day after our event who they themselves are also social and civil activists to come and talk about their story. And also would love to get your reflections too on you know the last couple of days. But everyone, nice please welcome Charles Sims. Nice to meet you. Yeah. I'm glad to be here. Oh my gosh, it's so fun. Like, it. I really yeah. appreciate it. We met probably a month or a few weeks ago virtually. And then of course, we IRL a couple of days ago, we've all been together on this journey for the last couple of days. And what I've said to people in preparation for this culture cast is that you are the founder of Dream 2020. But before we get into that, just talk about high level what that is. But then I want to go back to who is Charles? Like young Charles, your pathway to what led you to Dream 2020 eventually. So, but what is Dream 2020 in case people aren't too familiar with it? Sure. Obviously, it has um, history and Dr. Martin Luther King's yeah. dream. And I felt it was time to renew, reinvigorate and recharge that dream. So that was the reason why I called it that because I began that path in uh, the year of 2020, shortly after the death of George Floyd. Okay. Yeah. And we'll get into that and mm -hmm. how that all came about, but I think you have a super fascinating history in childhood. Yeah. So, yeah I, I, gr I grew up that. in Mississippi. Um, obviously my Three times great-grandfather is uh, Senator James E. George. He okay. was a three-term United States Senator, a private in the Mexican-American War, a um, Confederate General in the American Civil War, and he also authored the 1890 Constitution of Mississippi, which laid the framework, and he became the primary architect of the Jim Crow laws. Um, obviously, I'm a son of the South. Yeah. I grew up in that that culture and um, was influenced heavily by it. Um, I was a graduate of Ole Miss. I'm a United States Army combat veteran. Um, but there was a lot of things growing up in that culture that impacted me. Um, as a child, my dad lived in Sumner, Mississippi, and I played along yeah. the banks of the Tallahatchie River where Emmett Till was killed. And um, uh, I lived a few hundred blocks from the, or a few hundred yards from the yeah. um, courthouse where the trial was done. And um, so obviously Emma Till's story was very impactful. I mean, knowing yeah. the history behind it. Um, my mom's father grew up in Greenwood. So I always heard stories about Emma Till and it, it left a lasting impression on me. Wow. Um, but so, I, I do believe that uh, Dr. King was right when he talked about equality in the dream. That was an overall theme. And um I believe that he was correct and calling for that. And um, I, that was important for me starting the dream 2020 yeah. was to renew that. And I felt that it, that it stalled out in Memphis after he was killed. So me coming from a different perspective, I thought it was important to put my best foot forward yeah. and try to try to renew that dream. So that's interesting. And in growing up in the South and then your great, great grandfather, a key architect to Jim Crow laws. That is, one would never think, you know, wow, how can someone choose to found Dream 2020 coming from a culture of segregation? 
Sure. Right. Sure. And so, and, and thank you for your service, by the way, you're thank a you veteran. So much. I appreciate that. Um, what, you know, what led you to this dream 2020? So I, I understand the foundation of Dr. Martin Luther King mm -hmm. and his dream speech, but like, what led you to this? I think yeah. first off being a veteran was yeah. a, a big part of it because being in, in that, that melting pot, having that camaraderie, um, in the service definitely gave me a different perspective and outlook uh, on life. Um, a big impactful moment or two moments yeah. was um, at kind of midway through 2020 when Ahmaud Arbery was killed. Yeah. And then shortly thereafter, George Floyd was killed. And both those events kind of grabbed at my heart. If, 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 if you're human, I think it would have. Absolutely. And I think in everybody that witnessed those, those events, especially George Floyd, uh, crying out for his mom, yeah. mother was a very, uh, thing that kind of shook me to my core and, and, and made, made me ask a lot of questions inside of myself. And, um, immediately I kind of knew the way forward and it just came to me like a, like a, like a the Mississippi river yeah. at the high water mark. Okay. And so, uh, um, I immediately, came up with an idea that I was going to reach out to a group of group of, group of friends yeah. and go to the uh, Lorraine motel to, to, to speak the truth. And I reached out to Dr. King's family to see if they would write me a letter su of support to do that. And Alveda did. And thank you, Alveda King. Wow. But I think that um, it was important to go to Memphis first and foremost, because Dr. King was killed there. Yeah. And I do feel like the, the dream stalled out after that. So for my journey, I thought yeah. it was important to, restart at the Lorraine Motel wow. in Memphis because of the cultural and historical and you know significance of that. I think there's a lot of lessons to be learned at the Lorraine Motel. The uh, I first went there when I was probably six or seven years yeah. old. And it definitely had an impact on me seeing the the exhibits and everything yeah. in there. You know? That's amazing. And the fact that you cold called and uh, the King family. Yeah. And they're what did how was that? Like they're like, who are you and what are you trying to do? Like, <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. So I had a um a friend that I, I had done some small work with when I was still in college and I had never reconnected with her, okay. but I knew that she had some, um, some connections to that. And I, I reached out to her. I was like, Hey, I've never asked you for anything. Right. And she was like, no, absolutely not. Yeah. And I was like, well, I'm about to, I would like you to reach out to the King family. So that was a connection to that. And, um, and that's the, the, okay. that's the interesting part because I never knew that that relationship would, 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 I would come back to that and have to need to request that. But my life's journey, the relationships and the friendships yeah. that I fostered over time um, allowed me to uh, walk that path. And, and so it's, it's my life's journey to yeah. be honest, that led me to this. It wasn't one single event or anything else. Wow. It was the totality of my life in general. And so they wrote you a letter sure. of support. Mm -hmm. What did you do with that letter? So here uh, you are. Okay. I'm now you have this. That's a, that's a, that's a very, uh, cherished possession of mine. I, okay. have, I have it framed in, in, the, okay. in the bedroom. It's uh, she talked about, you know, standing in unity and talked about Martin and AD and daddy King. Yeah. And she said, whenever uh, Charles called me, I began to pray. And I was like, wow, that's, it's just an amazing thing that, um, that happened and that she was willing to support me now having never met me, but willing to know the background that I come yeah. from that she was willing to, to put her name on the line and put, put, put her words out there yeah. to support me in that.
Amazing. And to pray for you. Yeah, That's absolutely. amazing. So then you show up to the Lorraine Hotel. What happened? Um, we had an event. Um, it was obviously in the throes of COVID. So yeah. it was a little limited. I, at one point, I was asked by the city to re... So my plan was to come the fourth week uh, or the third week of um, uh, June. So yeah. only four weeks after George Floyd yeah, died. No, right. And I yeah. felt like moving quickly because of that um, to yeah. have the biggest impact. However, they asked me to uh, uh, reschedule. Okay. And we did. And it's amazing what happened. The event happened on the anniversary of Dr. King's speech. No way. So even though it, yeah. the events didn't happen as I intended. Yeah. God has his own plan and his own timing. Yeah. And um, we went back on 828 and, and the anniversary of Dr. King's dream speech and was able to go back on that day. So, so I, yeah. I think it worked out in the timing that it was supposed to work out. So what was that like? I've seen images mm -hmm. online. Um, so it was hot. Yeah, <laughs> it was hot. Um, one thing that was special to me, my mother passed in just recently in November and Oh, she so was sorry. able to yeah. appreciate, it, appreciate yeah. it. She was able to attend, and that was the only event that she attended since I had started. And I, I, I always told everybody, like, don't let my mom get on yeah. camera. Don't. Yeah, I told yeah, my yeah. brother, I was like, don't let my mom get on yeah. camera. And I look over over my shoulder after the end of the interview, Where or after is? the end of the event, and my mom's talking to a camera. And I look at my brother, and I'm like, what the heck? Yeah. And um, but now it's much more special to me that she got that time. I can look back at the interview and read excerpts of the words that she said. And she talked about, you know, having a need to bring people together. Yeah. And she said that she thought that we should be doing this every month in a different city and that we should do it until uh, things change and things aren't going to change by themselves. Right. We have to have the hard conversations um, and talk to people uh, about what divides us to to have those conversations yeah. to move forward. Yeah, I um, we were just chatting earlier as we were leading into our conversation. Um, we just had Daryl Davis on mm -hmm. the Culture Cast beforehand, and actually that's how I met you. Like, and what I learned from you was, look, you modeled, or he kind of provided the blueprint Absolutely. for you. So say more about Absolutely. that. Absolutely. Yeah. So I've known uh, Mr. Daryl Davis's story for. I would say at least 10 or 12 years. Um, I think there was like a history special on it years ago yeah. and I'd, I'd saw it and I was like, wow, this, this guy was willing to uh, go sit down with Ku Klux Klan members yeah. and, and, and touch their heart. And eventually they gave up their ways, turned over their robes to him and, 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 and changed their life. Um, and so I've known the story for a while. I think subconsciously it kind of, um, um, had an impact on me. And I kind of, when I was studying about my great grandfather, I, I came up on a story where he sat down with a former uh, governor of Mississippi, Delbert Ames in 1875, yeah. where there was election violence going on and he had to sit down with the governor. So I, I thought back to Daryl's story and I said, there is something to this. Yeah. There's something to sitting down with people that you disagree with yeah. to um, reach across those party and racial lines and search a conflict resolution. And um, yeah, I think Daryl Davis's blueprint is amazing. And I think it, uh, everybody should read about it and look at it. And I think uh, there's a lot to learn from it. And and so when I started the Dream 2020, Daryl Davis's um, story, blueprint and life were at the forefront of my, my thought process in doing that. Obviously, we come from different backgrounds. Absolutely. We're very, right. diff we're di very different people, but it's a it's a similar format. 
I'm, I'm reaching out to different groups of people. He was reaching out to different groups yeah. of people, but it's still trying to find that humanity in someone yeah. to plant that seed of love and find out, um, like Daryl says, uh, you may be completely different, but there may be something that um, you have in common. That's right. Be it food, music, um, sports. There, yeah. There's something that everybody has in common that you can talk about. Um, build a friendship and, and move from there. Yeah. I love that you said that because Daryl talked about his five core values and it starts with everybody has a need to be loved. And you just mm. said this, that when you plant a seed of love, you know, I, I, of course I love love, but I, what I love is that it comes from that, right? It starts from that very human need to do that. Mm -hmm. And then I also, what you're saying, and, and we talked about this with Daryl is just that, how do you start at a place of common ground and find that? And humans can do that if you Absolutely. give if you give the space to do that. Yeah, you, it, it starts small. Yeah, you can't go in and be like, "Let's do it all at once." Obviously, right. you have to nurture it and, and build it over time. But the rewards are, are are justified, and it's a very noble cause to do that because everybody needs love. Right, like. Love's an important thing to humanity and, and it's a, a very valuable thing and can, can, yeah. can, can change a lot of stuff. I, I agree. I, I wonder um, when I look at some of the images when we first met and here you are, you're in your, your dress uniform, mm -hmm. right? And you're holding a sign. Sure. Right. That says you're the great, great grandson of, you know, yeah, the creator of the Jim Crow laws and here, then, to, here to stand with the Floyd family. Right. Yeah. So tell yeah. me about that. I like was, rolling uh, up and posting up like that. So that was a yeah. That was extremely intimidating to do that. Um, I tried to hire private security uh, to okay. accompany me, and they asked me, "Are you white?" And I said, "Yeah, absolutely." And they said, "Absolutely, we will not go to Minneapolis, South Minneapolis with you. Oh you're goodness. crazy. You should yeah. never go down there. Your your life is in danger." And I said, "Okay." And they said, "What are you going to do?" And I said, "Since y'all don't want to do y'all's jobs, I'll go by myself." Yeah. So yeah. I, I carried a Jim Crow sign through George Floyd Square at the height of the trial, and it was it was it was uh, quite intimidating to say the least. But something happened. What happened? I walked uh, up to it and I heard somebody, "What the?" And I was like, "Okay, here we go." So I walked up, and this lady said, "Honey, what are you doing here? Like, what what are you doing?" And I said, "This is what I'm doing." She yeah. said, "Where are you from?" I said, "I'm from Mississippi." She said, I'm from Greenville, Mississippi. Oh boy. Yeah. That's and I run this block and nothing's gonna happen to you now. I appreciate you being here. I appreciate the I appreciate the sentiment that you have. And and obviously it's nothing about love here. Thank you for coming. And if you need anything, reach out to me. My name's Gatekeeper. And I said, I appreciate that. I so love that. It was just showing up, being real showing love because obviously if I came up with any uh, yeah. into the situation with any ulterior motives or being fake, they're going to see through it immediately. Right. So, I, I mean, I had to approach this situation with patience, understanding, um, love, tolerance, and, and, and just let the cards fall where they may. Obviously, um, I was prepared to give up everything in that moment. Um, but I thought it was important to stand for what was right. Yeah. And, um, there was a reason why I did that. Um, George Floyd's brother, Falonis, um, had several, said several things um, in the lead up to the trial about um, people coming together yeah. and, and, and to try not to uh, 
like make more violence. And he, he like some of the things he said, uh, I think when he went before Congress really touched my heart. And um, that was the reason that I went there and, and me and him talked. Um, since then, I've talked with uh, several of his cousins and um, Angela and, and Miss Mahalia and yeah. Tuesday, Tuesday. And there's just so many people that reached out to me and had love. And it, it was really just truly amazing. So I've obviously met with several of his family members and, and talked about the reason why yeah. I came and why I wanted to support them um, to show that no matter where we begin our That's journey, right. we have the ability to sit down and have those hard conversations. It doesn't matter if I came from, uh, uh, Mississippi yeah. or George started his, uh, George Floyd started his, his journey in Houston, Texas and made it up to Minneapolis. And it didn't matter. We had the ability to come together and, and, um, have that, moment of, of love. Yeah. I love that. And also just the story of approaching your post in Minneapolis and that woman stopping you and then asking you where you're from, mm -hmm. having the patience and kindness to actually seek the humanity in you and understanding that we actually have, we're from the same place. Yeah. When I stood, that's so, a lot. So they that's were, huge. So, yeah. uh, Benjamin Crump, the attorney, and yeah. several of the family members were coming out there to make statements to the media and everything. And I'm sitting there kind of pacing around. And I'm like, should I really do this? And first off, like, I, I had reservations about wearing the uniform to begin with. Okay. Because that's obviously not the right time and space right. to do that. But I wanted people to understand immediately that I meant business and I was a man of action that that I'm here for a reason and I wanted it to be known, you know, that, that I'm coming for a specific purpose and, yeah. and I'm a, I'm a man of honor. Yeah. And, and so I stepped up to the microphones and I would estimate there was probably 30 to 50 cameras there. And when I unfolded that sign, there was audible gasp and literally people ran off and it was, it was, it was, they ran off. I mean, literally people had emotions that I've never okay. witnessed before. And, I walked off from that and uh, three people came over to me. One of them was a, uh, uh, a lady that was a, a preacher from the area Yeah. and they put hands on me and prayed on me. And really? it was just an amazing experience and um, something that kind of at that moment, I, I didn't know exactly where I was going with the dream 2020. Okay. I didn't know if I had kind of reached a stall point. Yeah. Um, I didn't know if that had, was the kind of the conclusion of yeah. what I had done. Um, because this is a learning process for me. So everything that I do, um, I'm learning as I go. Nobody from my background or my perspective right. from my family has ever done anything like this. Um, so everything's new. So shortly thereafter, something very unique happened. And this was a big moment for me. Okay. Um, Jacob Blake's father reached out to me um, on Instagram. And he said that I love what you're doing. Yeah. And I would absolutely love to meet you. And I said, it wasn't something that was coerced. Yeah. It wasn't an organization or a government uh, reaching out to yeah. try to connect people. It was an organic coming together. So in that moment, like I knew that I had struck a chord. Shout out to Jacob Blake. Um, Jacob Blake. Yeah, okay. Big, what's yeah. up, Big Jake? I, <laughs> I thought that um, in that moment, I felt like it was having an impact and I felt like it could have a further impact. Yeah. Um, so that was a very unique moment for me, 
because up until that point, I had been trying to reach out to other people. In that moment, somebody right. reached out to me. So we, uh, he talked about wanting to meet me. I said, I'd fly back up to Minneapolis. Yeah. I did that. And, um, we sat down and had a conversation. We talked about a uh, family yeah. football. We talked about, uh, things that are important to us, but we talked about getting the ball rolling towards race for reconciliation. But once we did that, yeah. how do we keep the momentum? Yep. So it was a, a, a great meeting. And then it just seems like things continually gained momentum and speed after yeah. that, where more and more people reached out to me. And the last couple of years I've met with families of George Floyd, Brianna Taylor, obviously Jacob yeah. Lake, Tanika Shannon, Cortez Wright, uh, James Meredith, Reverend Barber, Sharpton, Jackson, Martin Luther King, the third. So it's, it's been truly an amazing journey up until this point. I'm, yeah, I'm super curious, really getting to know the families, mm. um, of the fallen over the last couple of years. Mm -hmm. What have you learned listening to them? You know, what are your takeaways of themes coming out of just really getting to know them and what you've learned from them in this journey? It's a really good question. Um, first, patience and okay. understanding. Um, to listen when it's important to listen. Yeah. And um, to learn because they obviously have been through an immense amount of pain. And almost everyone that I've talked about lost a family member or yeah. had a family member that was seriously mm -hmm. injured um, for one reason or another, be it police brutality, racism, whatever. Um, so meeting people that have gone through that much pain, they, they pour that emotion out yeah. and, and, and into you. And, and if you receive it, you can learn a tremendous yeah. amount about them and about their grievances and um, the things that they think or demand that need to be changed. And so yeah, it's 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 just a learning process to um, understand them and understand where they're coming from, their perspectives and their and, and their pain. Yeah, it's a common theme today. Just talking about it, I know we were the third guest this week in Washington D.C., and it is that theme of um, patience, right, yeah. and being open and curious and learning. And I love that you said learning. I think learning means you have to be open. Yeah, absolutely. To know that you don't know or know what you don't know, right? Yeah. Anybody can learn from anybody. Yeah. Like you, nobody has all the answers. I don't have all the answers. But one thing I do know is that we have the ability to sit down and talk to people about what divides us. And that's critical. Nobody's going to have all the answers. That's right. Nobody. I, I, I definitely do not. But I do believe that everybody has this, is that everybody has a small piece to play in the dream. Uh, Martin Luther King III recently said at the uh, anniversary this year, I'm sorry, this last year okay. at the, of the anniversary of the dream speech yeah. that in Washington, he said, there has been progress on the dream, but there's still work to be done. Yeah. And everyone must play their part. He also said recently at um, um, his brother Dexter's funeral that we're still moving to, towards that beloved community. We may not be in the vicinity yet. Yeah. That's why I'm here. I want to help us to get closer to that beloved community and help to get a little bit closer to that vicinity. Yeah. I can't make, I can't, I can't do it all. I can't realize the That's entire, right. I can't realize the entire dream, 
But what I can do is help to fulfill certain tenets of that dream. He said, I have a dream one day the sons of former slaves and the sons of former slave owners will be able to sit down at the table of brotherhood. And I absolutely believe in that. I think that we have a chance to sit at a new table of brotherhood. Yeah. Uh, founded on honesty, love, respect, and understanding. Yeah, I agree. I think about, um, it just reminds me of back in 2018, I had just switched to a new role and sure. had the chance to do an interview. And someone had asked a question of me and they're like, if you had a chance to start a movement, you know, what would that movement be about? And I would, I just randomly, but intentionally, because it's in my heart, like I would start a movement for kindness. Mm. And I say that because awesome. I think um, anyone can be capable of being kind. Mm. I think it's human nature to find that within yourself, that when someone of an opposing opinion, someone who might come at you, whatever, right? Like that's all about them and not about you. And I guess I'm saying this to you because like, I feel like when you say everyone plays a part, everyone has the capacity to do that. Absolutely. And right? I feel like it's yeah. way harder to be hateful than it is to be kind. Right? So, no, I we mean, just talked about this with Daryl. It's, <laughs> I mean, it's hard way, to hate. It's, it's hard to hate. You yeah. Gotta, you got to keep it in you for so long and build it up. And it's so easier just to just let love and kindness flow out of you. And it's so much more cathartic. Um, part of the reason why I did this too is that I never thought I would do this. Like, I didn't think this was intended. Well, for me. I think it's so fascinating with your family's history. Sure. And what I said about, like, in anticipation of you joining this conversation, I'm like, every generation has a chance to change history. Mm. And that's what you're doing. So I, yeah. I, I thought this would have been something that my mom or another family member yeah. would have done. My mom was a very kind person, very, uh, let's say, liberal minded. She was an attorney, just an amazing person. Yeah. And she poured a lot of love into me. And I think she gave me the tools to uh, understand my path forward. But the reason why I did this is because I was the furthest person that would ever do this. Yeah. I'm not saying that I was a, a extreme racist or anything like that. Right, I, right, had right. A, I had a coming to, to Jesus moment. That's not the case. But like, I've never considered myself a, a bridge builder or trying to bring people together. Um, and I feel like certain people are called to different things. And, uh, I felt that I had a calling to this yeah. and I felt that I was built for it. I felt that, um, I'd walked a journey in life and fostered certain relationships and friendships that would give me the ability yeah. to do this. And, and that's why I felt it was important for me to do because I didn't necessarily think I was the person to do it. That's exactly why I had to do it. Right. That's exactly why I had to do it. Well, I think too, let's talk about your calling. Mm because you have served our country. So it, it takes a special person to intentionally do that. So think about your pathway. What led you to even choose to serve? Obviously, obviously 9-11 had a yeah. massive okay. impact. I mean, I was a senior in high school when it happened. And I mean, our generation, uh, I think we were products of our grandfathers. Um, both my grandfather served in World War II, one in the Pacific, one in the European theater. but service in my family goes yeah. back to literally the founding of this okay. country. Um, so it was important for me to serve. Um, obviously there's great benefits uh, with college, yeah, college and healthcare yeah. and everything else. But um, I felt the uh, calling to serve and, and that if our country was threatened or we needed to help support our country in any way that I, I, I felt it was, it was important to go down that path. 
Um, and it did. It had a unique impact on me. My roommate in Baghdad in 2006 was from Sierra Leone, West Africa. Oh, wow. He wasn't even a citizen. Wow. He wasn't even a citizen. And I love that dude like he's my brother. Yeah. We fought and bled daily together. And he was just, he, he was one of the most patriotic people yeah. that I've ever met. And he said, uh, I'm, I'm never leaving the army. I tell him when you get out, when you get yeah. out, when you get out, Johnny. And he said, Oh no, big baby. He said, I ain't going nowhere. <laughs> he used to call me big baby, but he said, uh, I'm never, <laughs> I'm never going anywhere because I love this country. And this country has done so much for me and my family that, that I'll never leave it. And in that moment, I just remember thinking, wow, this, this is one of the most patriotic people that I've ever met yeah. in my life. And we, we obviously shared a room for, for a year or more. And, uh, and he, he rubbed off on me a lot. And, and that kind of helped to build my uh, mindset moving yeah. forward that, that it don't matter who you are, where right. you come from. You can be from West Africa or Mississippi yeah. and, and still show love and, and be able to come together. Well, you know? I think that's, that's diversity and inclusion in action. Sure. The fact that everyone can coexist and that you're allowing space for that mm-hmm. and you're learning from that. And I, I'm just connecting the dots. I think about, look, it's about supporting your country. It's about protecting the citizens absolutely. of the United States. And so absolutely. there's a thread there too. No, it, yeah. it absolutely is yeah. because I feel like they're our country, um, regardless of what political side you, you affiliate with, it, it's bigger than black or white, left and right. Totally. This is about realizing the potential of America. And I think that um, the brighter days are ahead of us. But it takes people dedicated to having those hard conversations. But I think right now um, it is vital and most important that we have these conversations because I see a lot of parallels, not only from the 1960s, but the 1860s currently. And we are at a very uh, critical inflection point in our nation's history that if we don't uh, stand up and, and, and pay attention to what's going on and help to improve the things that we need to do, these are the things that insulate us from the um, gathering dangers abroad. Right. It doesn't matter who wins the next election. That's right. It doesn't matter when the next shutdown occurs, because if we have unity as a people, it doesn't matter. We'll totally always be together. We can always stand firm in that. And it doesn't matter what policy. Yeah, obviously policies and laws matter. But if the people have genuine love for each other, if we can finally move past the uh, the black and white issue that we're still fighting fights over that are 50, 60, 150 yeah. years old. We haven't even moved beyond that. And we're trying to talk about uh, solving Middle Eastern peace. We can't even solve right. peace in our own country. That's right. Yeah. I mean, I'm loving this passion that's coming out right now. I think about like what is happening in the world today mm. and what this what this country that we're sitting in right now, and we're in our nation's capital, right? Sure. And it goes back to, and I nerd out every time I talk about this, but you think about our first American president, mm. George Washington, wrote the rules of civility and obedience, mm-hmm. like what it means to be a citizen of these United States, mm-hmm. and how far are we now in even practicing civility and obedience with each other as citizens is yeah. a big question. So yeah. like, here we are, have we learned yet? You know, so. I think regardless of the issue, I bring it back to these basic human behaviors where how are we not civil with each other, right? So civility and obedience. And I think the other one, you know, if you want to expand it globally, I love the the United Nations Human Bill of Rights, which boils 
exactly down to everyone has a right to be treated with dignity and respect, sure. no matter who you are. Sure. And so it comes back to all of these themes that we're talking about, like how do we approach it from a place of humanity and create a space where people can actually see love as, you know, the seed yeah. to open this. And I really appreciate yeah. your invitation um, and being a part of everything this week. Like it truly showed me what is possible and being around some of the families that I was around this week had a, had a lasting impact. Yeah. On well, that, let's talk about sure, that. Sure, I think sure. people are very curious. I know that there was a ton of news on it mm. starting Tuesday night after day one. Um, and we've had, you know, Daryl here, he was a guest and of course Ken was here, mm. but I would love to get your perspective. Like, okay, what is this? You showed up. What did you experience? And, you know, I'd love to hear just kind of what were your profound moments? Um, first, when I heard that Ken, uh, Ken Morris Jr. would be part of it, obviously he's the uh, descendant of Booker T. Washington and Frederick Douglass. Yeah. And it made me think about Frederick Douglass that would he have considered that someone that was descended from a Confederate general would be meeting with his descendant later down the line yeah and would martin luther king have considered that we would both come together yeah and it's that it was a really interesting thing for me to think about um and and there was many people ida b wells uh, cousins of emmett till and and rosa parks and just an amazing group of people um but one thing that was really personal for me was meeting with uh reverend wheeler parker that that was one of the last surviving witnesses yeah. of the abduction of Emmett Till. Yeah. And I grew up a few hundred yards from where Emmett Till, uh, the trial was yeah. done for his murder and it had a lasting impact on me, but for him to take me by the hand and lead me into that memorial, I mean, it's something that would affect me for my life, you know, for, for me personally, for my family, for, um, Mississippi, because it's about showing, yeah. What's possible. Yeah. And to show him that if you extend your hand, that it will be accepted because I know what I'm capable of, but I also have to show other people what is possible. And if I can do this, if Daryl can do this, if I can extend my yeah. hand as the great grandson of the person that created the Jim Crow yeah. laws, and I can connect with all the families that I have, what's your excuse, America? Right? What's your <laughs> excuse? If I can do it, Anybody can do it. I agree. If Daryl Davis can do it, anybody can do it. Anybody. That's right. Yeah. I um, I think I saw you with Rev Reverend Wheeler Parker coming out of the memorial, and I, I experienced the same thing. I mm. think that was really, truly a highlight for me on so many levels. And what I was sharing with Kenneth was, um, as we were walking through the memorial, and you know the recordings are there, and you can hear his voice in it, too, because mm -hmm. I interviewed him. And what was interesting to me is that it is about writing history. And what I mean by that is he said, hey, look, you know, there are stories about what happened, but 30 years later, finally interviewing the people that were there to help kind of get the truth straight, right, oh. about what's happening. And in the way that he did it, though, and yeah, so this is what amazing. I love. I was saying that I shared this with his wife. Marvell, when I saw her at the end of the day, I said, you know, 
Reverend Parker has this very calming. He does. And peaceful and joyful vibe about him. He does. Right. And to go through a really um, emotional exhibit, like it, memorial, at least for me, it was mm -hmm. just seeing all of it. And then to, for him to just kind of share his stories along the way in that way mm. is just, again, the definition of grace and love. Yeah, he's, right? he's, he's absolutely an amazing person. I agree with yeah. you on the calming vibes and everything like that. He's just a truly genuine person. Um, for me, it was very powerful because my family, yeah. my great grandfather set up this, the system of uh, oppression that Emmett yes. died under the system of oppression that uh, Rosa Parks had to get on that bus for um, the system of oppression that did a lot of those things. And for every action, there's a reaction, right? They had, they were the ones that had to stand up because of certain things that happened with racial codes in the past. And uh, to be able to connect with, you know, direct family members of theirs was was a was a powerful thing for me. Yeah, I mean, I can't understate how much that. Uh, personally, for me, it was a it was a life changing and uh, motivating moment. Yeah, I I think it was historic moment. I think for many people, including you and other guests who join it, I think it's a, a new inflection point, mm, right? Agreed. For like now solidifying what's most important which is peace yeah. right at the end of the day. And if these families can come together with a message of civility and peace, why can't we all do the same? Absolutely. And I think that's uh, people where you talked about earlier about yeah. uh, around the world, people look at America for leadership and that's not at the highest level right now. So we need to reestablish that to, for the rest of the yeah. world to see that peace is possible. Vladimir Putin and Zelensky, that peace is possible. Yes. Israel and, and, and its neighbors, yeah. that peace is possible. But it takes visual acts of that to understand. We have all these um, um, legends and, and, and giants of the past yeah. to look at. But where's the modern examples? We, uh, we can all look in our history books and videos and, yeah. see, and see Martin Luther King, Medgar Evers, and all these people. But if we don't have modern day examples uh, of that, yeah. To people, for people to see visually, they need to see that to understand what's possible. And I think that everybody has that in them. Um, but we need to reestablish ourselves as the leaders in the world to move that forward for, for, for the positive. I agree. It's interesting. You're, you're reminding me of something that um, Ken said earlier, which is in order for us to recreate history mm. is to really deeply understand where we came from. You absolutely I, have to understand yeah. where you come from. So that was the interesting thing about yeah. going to the um, the capital and talking with the, um, the uh, what do they call the people that guide you or the guides? It's just the tour guides. Yeah, yeah. The, the tour guides. The tour guide. Um, so I asked them about my my family statue yeah. that's still there. There's been conversation about removing certain Confederate statues. Interesting. Yeah. Um, but I asked him. I, I said, "Sir, what do people ask about Senator George? Do they know the relevance?" And he said, "What's the relevance?" So I said, yeah. do you know what he did, what his impact was on history? And he said, well, I know a little bit. And I said, here's my card. Please, yeah. please let me right. uh, send you additional information so people understand where we came from to understand to um, uh, 
have a, a better impact on the future. Because if you don't know your history, you have to understand how you got to where you got to, to improve it. Because That's right. That was one of the things that motivated me is kind of being a student of history. Um, I think that's what kind of led me, started leading me down yeah. this path is, is reading books and understanding things, reading the dream speech, reading yeah. uh, about Martin Luther King's journey, um, James Meredith, Medgar Evers, and, and people during that time. But you have to understand the past to understand how you're going to improve the future. Yeah, that's right. And I think another profound thing in the conversation, which I love to reiterate, because I think, you know, Culture Cast too is about you have leaders who are looking for nuggets mm -hmm. on how they themselves can be a leader for their community, in their organization, sure. you know, in corporations. How can they cultivate an environment where people can thrive? Mm -hmm. You know, and I think it goes back to culture and community begins with, with you as an individual. Right. And it's about if unless you understand who you are and what you stand for and stand in that, how can you help to create community and culture unless you're clear about that? Absolutely. So, yeah, I think it's a combination of history and just personal being like who you are. Because if you don't if you don't uh, learn from it, you're going to create and make the mistakes. Oh, totally. Past. Right. Yeah. It's just going to be perpetual, perpetual cycle of, of the over and over and over again. I said we haven't even solved the issues that there's been progress on civil rights legislatively but that ability to live safely securely yeah. and happily isn't 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 always the same well no it's you know? it's not unlike technology you know sure. so technology good, is right hey the newest and best technology it's going to make our lives easier better whatever right you can say that about new legislation yep. none of that's going to change or no one's going to be um the technology won't be successful. I think the newest innovation for anything is humanity, right? And you've got to have emotions, judgment, exercise that mm -hmm. in order for those things to be effective, you know, with yeah. technology to be effective, legislation to be effective, Absolutely. right? I apply it to that. And so does my dog who's been visiting us <laughs> in and out of our conversation. So I'm curious what's next it's now 2024. The dream 2020 clearly started in 2020. Sure. What is next for you in this journey? So, um, obviously, I have some long and short-term goals. Um, I think that um, so. There's one thing that's kind of outstanding to me that's okay. personal, um, and I told someone very important to me that I would do this um, shortly before they passed, which was my mother. Mm -hmm. And I told her that I would, was planning on going to the Edmund Pettus bridge this year. And I've reached out to uh, a couple people. I kind of want to keep that private yeah, yeah, who yeah, I have fine. currently, but I've reached out to, to some people to, uh, accompany me to that. Um, so I wanted to go to the Edmund Pettus bridge to show that visual act of reconciliation, to show that path and that yeah. journey and that walk to it. Um, so I'll be going to the Edmund Pettus Bridge in two weeks to, um, to, to, to show that. And there's, there's, there's several reasons why I'm doing that. Okay. Um, my great grandfather, Senator George was colleagues with and friends with Edmund Pettus. Oh, and he was at his funeral upon his death. And so it's important for me to set certain things straight. Yeah. And I don't say that because I'm proud of the hate that certain people were involved in yeah but it's because i'm entwined in it and know it can be overcome and 
I think it's important for me to go there and do this. And um, Edmund Pettus was sent as a as a delegate to review the secession convention in 1860. And um, Senator George was at those deliberations right, right in the lead up to the Civil War. And uh, several members of my family signed that document yeah. leaving the Union. And Edmund Pettus was there. And so they were both there during those deliberations. Um, they were obviously friends and colleagues in life. And, and sure. Edmund went to honor him in his death. So it's important for me to show that, again, Regardless if he was from Alabama, then his 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 then uh, brother John Pettus was the governor of Mississippi, and obviously my great grandfather was friends with all of them. So it's important for me to go to Alabama to show that Mississippi is here to support you. We want to walk across that same yeah. path with you. It doesn't matter if we started in Mississippi, Alabama, wherever else, but it's important to show that journey and um, to show that that the hatred can be overcome. I love that. Amazing. And that's in two weeks. Yes, ma'am. Um, how can people get a hold of you? What's the best uh, way to you reach can, you, you can Charles? Find me on uh, all social medias, Charles G. Sims, charlesgsims.com, uh, TikTok, charles.g.sims. Uh, but yeah, basically Charles G. Sims on everything. Great. Well, um, I would love to get like one word that would describe your journey to now and mm. then one word that would describe your experience this week one word to describe journey to now yeah your whole journey to one now word. yeah um amazing 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 i love that absolutely amazing well, I so appreciate my new friend. Just met you a few weeks ago, it's leading a, up to yeah. Appreciate sitting down with you and hearing your story. Absolutely. And um, again, I think about there are always new beginnings on so many levels. There if you are, think about it, right? That's the, that's the truth. And so I think that's kind of a big takeaway for me that no matter what's happened up until now in your life or whatever the experience is, mm -hmm. that there's always a chance. If you have the patience and the love, I agree. To I think start that, uh, to leave with one thing. Okay. I want to just say that unity in the community is possible. That it's time to get out and do the hard things to achieve it. Oh my goodness! If we want our children to love one another, we have to be willing to talk about the things that divide us. If we value the dream, we have to be willing to live it and pray about it. I think that's an appropriate way to end our conversation. I really enjoyed it. I thank love so this much. unity in the community and praying together. Um, thank you so much for taking your time to Absolutely. hang out for one more extra day. Absolutely. You know, this week in Washington, DC. Absolutely. I yeah. Really appreciate I appreciate thank, you. Thank, thank you right. so much. Thank you so much. Absolutely. It was, it was, it was a true honor. It was an honor for me. Thank, thank you. you. All right. Well, we'll see everybody. Information in the notes. And also, if you just Google him, he'll come up. So, we ain't, right, we ain't hard to find. Exactly right. Everyone, have a great, great rest of your day. Happy Culture Cast Day. Happy rest of this month. And we will see you soon.